God is so good. So, so good. Yeah, totally. What a presence, what a, what a mighty presence of God that we feel this morning, right? It's like everything that we begin and everything that we try to do, it always comes down to, are we seeking his presence first and foremost? Everything that we've been doing, everything to bring us to this moment is this, is this encounter with him. Encounter with the one who loves us, who cares for us, who died for us, but not just died for us, but rose again for us. As we get ready to enter into this week of, of Holy Week, or, and today is Palm Sunday, as we're going we're gonna to dive into some scriptures here, but I just know that there's, there's God, wants, God wants to do something. And it's like this release. I, 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 I was in the back um, normally before, always I start or before I'm preaching, I always go into the prayer room and spend some time walking around reading, reading the, through my notes again. And uh, I, I, heard, I heard Pastor Christy get, get to service or Pastor Matthew and then Pastor Christy leading us in worship. And, and then I heard all of you guys shout and, and Pastor Lynn came back and was talking with me and, and said that, you know, Pastor Christy had, had talked about seeing the lion and the shouting. And can I, can I add one more thing to that? So we were gone for this past week. We weren't here last Sunday. Uh, we had the amazing opportunity to go away as a family, uh, spend some family vacation. And so um, we went away for a couple days with me as in the kids. And then um, we were able then, uh, my amazing sister-in-law watched our kids, our three, our, three, our four kids uh, for us. <laughs> Not gonna tell you which one I forgot, but four. <laughs> She watched our four kids for us and we were able to go to Salt Lake and spend a couple days, just me and Ez. And, and as we're getting ready to celebrate this coming week, 15 years of marriage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's had to put up with me for 15 years. <laughs> we all have our crosses to bear. So she's amazing and wonderful and I love her to death. And so, um, but one night I got, we got home and, and I was checking in with Pastor Lynn and we were talking and I said, Pastor Lynn, I gotta tell you, I had these, these dreams, and I, I, can, I, can I tell you real fast as we were just kind of walking uh, through the halls of the church, and I began to tell him that one night I was, was asleep, and um, I was, we were in the dream. We were in, in service, and everything was happening, and uh, this was Tuesday night, Tuesday night, and in the dream, um, pastor turned to me and was praying over me as I was getting ready to take the platform, and, and he said, whatever happens, just let it happen. And if you know me, that's not a good thing. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, what's gonna happen? Like I have my list, I have my check marks. Like I, we gotta get through this. And, uh, and he's like, whatever happens, just let it happen. And, and as soon as I said, yes, I'll let it happen. Instantly through these double doors, a, a massive lion came out and walked onto the platform and began to roar. And it roared over everybody during the middle of worship. And so I'm telling Pastor Lynn this, and he said, oh, 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 time out, time out. He said, we got to get Christy. And so she comes over, and he's like, Christy, weren't you just saying something about a lion? And so she begins to tell me about this, and instantly all of our hairs start to stand up. <laughs> As we just know God is doing something, because that was Tuesday night in my dream, and Wednesday morning, Pastor Christy sees the vision of the, of the lion roaring over our church. And it, God, I'm telling you, God's doing something. God's saying something to us. And I believe as we get started into this amazing week, as we 
prepare for what God is doing on Resurrection Sunday. It's going to start with today, though. There's going to be some things that are, we're going to have to let go so we can see God perform some great miracles in our lives. There's going to have to be some things that we let go of because if he's going to fill us up, we can't be completely filled with him if we're filled with something else. So today we're going to talk about some things that we've got to let go so that we can let God do the work. And so if you have your Bibles, it's, we're going to start with Mark 11, a particular story. Again, it's, it's Palm Sunday, so I wanted to share this story, but maybe we're going to see it a little bit different this morning. We're going to continue reading in there. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, and they came to the towns of, and I'm going to say Beth age, sure, um, and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there, and no one has ever ridden that no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and, and we'll return it soon. Like, okay, thanks, Jesus. Like, the Lord needs it and we're going to return this donkey to you. Don't worry about it. So the two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said, what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. They said what Jesus told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. We're going to get into it a little bit, but yet I've got some more verses to read, but just a quick snapshot here, and that is they were doing the work of the Lord because they had been given the authority to do so. They were coming into agreement with what Jesus had already told them to do. So when they did it, they didn't just say, like, we're taking this donkey and you just have to deal with it. No, they said, we're taking this donkey because the Lord had told us to do it and he's permitting us to take it. There is some new ground that I believe that the Lord has for us here as a church, as a body of believers, but we have to come into agreement with the word that's already been spoken that we're permitted to take it. We have to come into agreement with the authority that God has for us. We have to walk in that because let me tell you something, especially in today's world, there are so many voices that want to speak into the authority of our children, of our marriages, of our, even our own self, that we have to be able to take that authority back because it's already been won at the cross. It's not something that I'm going to walk of myself, but it's something I'm going to come into agreement with because Jesus Christ has already paid and died for because he's already won the victory. So all I got to do is just say, hey, the Lord told me that he's permitting me to take what is rightfully mine because I belong to him. Okay, yeah. I'm already like halfway through my notes. So let's get into our verses. <laughs> then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it. And he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields, which basically like a palm leaf which is where we get Palm Sunday, right? I know, Bible, I'm, I'm teaching you here today, okay? <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessing on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left, 
because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. And we'll stop right there for right now. And so for the next few moments, I'm gonna, I just, I got a question for you. And that is, where do you hang your coat? And that's going to be the sermon title today is where do we hang our coat? And it'll, it'll make more sense. I know you're like, what in the world? Like, no, we're, we'll get into it here for a few minutes. But today we see where it's Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And if you're reading from your paper Bible or from, from even an electronic Bible, and it has the little words at the top of it before each chapter, you would have seen that. Each, each gospel represents this story, and each one of them has their own particular view on it, which is amazing. Um, it was kind of interesting as I was reading through all four gospels, it's just like the exact same thing they say, that one accident can happen and four people can be standing on different corners and you're going to have four different uh, perspectives of, of how the accident happened. And there's four different accounts that they see. And, and I would encourage you, please, this week, go back and read uh, through the four different gospels. I mean, you don't have to do all four completely, but find the stories here. You can Google it. It's super easy, I promise. And, and, and find the story of this within the gospels and read through it. But it's a weekend that we enter into this, into this time of reflection and examination of ourselves to begin to know that what we are either dedicating for the first time or rededicating to God, because we see as we come into the, the, the week of Easter, the week of his resurrection, we begin to know and see the things that God really wants to do in our lives. But it has to be that what in this story, this, some things we're going to pull out is some of the things of what are, do we have to let go to be able to allow to take on the full authority that God has in our lives? What do we have to let go of or what do we have to empty ourselves of so that we can be better filled or more filled with what God wants to do inside of us? Because even though he's around us and in us, but there's still the time of what are we holding on to or where are we hanging our coat that's going to be determining where are we going to go with him? And so we see where Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. It's the city of peace. And it talks about two different cities as Jesus comes to the, to the uh, Mount of Olives. And in one city, the, the, basically the name of it means the house of my mouth. And the other city meaning the house of affliction. And so when we begin to start off this week, I was looking at the two different cities that as Jesus wants to bring peace into yours and mine's life, there are two different things that we're going to have to try to conquer. And that is the affliction of the enemy that is trying to get us to slip up. And that is my own self of the house of my own mouth of what am I releasing with my own mouth. Amen. There are two things that Jesus, or there's a thing that Jesus wants to do is bring peace into our life. But there are two things that we're going to have to try to conquer. And that is the affliction of the enemy that tries to get you to mess up. Because the moment that affliction starts is the moment that we start to question everything. We automatically, as soon as something bad or that we think bad happens, we all of a sudden start to think, is it really God? Did he really say? Is it really going to happen? Is what he wants me to do really going to happen to do? And then you see where it says it's the house of my mouth that is saying that when I release with my mouth is ultimately going to come to pass. Because our words are so powerful. Our words, the Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And a lot of times we end up spending more time on death than we end up spending more time on life. And it's easy, and, and here's the thing, it's easy when somebody else is telling you, man, I'm going through something, and you start speaking life into them, but then it's a little bit more difficult when something happens to your own self, and you start talking to yourself, and you're saying all the things that you never would have told somebody else. 
right? Uh, am, am I right, right? It's like we start talking to somebody, we're like, no, Jesus is amazing. I promise you, he's going to rock your world. And then all of a sudden, something bad happens to you. You're like, oh, Lord, it happened again. It happened. Let's be real, right? But what would happen? We find in story after story where things God wanted to do, but it took people to release it from their mouth. We find where the walls of Jericho are going around and they're, they're walking around. The walls of Jericho. The, the walls weren't walking. The people were walking. The people were walking around the walls of Jericho, but nothing began to happen until they released it with their mouth. We find the woman with the issue of blood where she says, if I, she spoke to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. We look crazy when we're in our car and we're speaking to ourselves. Or if you're seeing my car, like we're, I'm speaking in tongues as we're driving down the road. I'm driving down the road. And it's like, but here's the thing. If I can begin to speak to myself, I can conquer the city that God has already said is, is already for mine to be taken. It's the house of my mouth. It determines whether I will see victory or not. I can think it in my mind, but I've got to speak it with my words. Okay, let's, let's, let's break it down. Just Because we just had Friday night, date night, which was amazing. Jackson and Laura are beasts at bowling, okay? I, I was there with like the little kid thing, trying to roll that down to, to get a strike as much as possible. Um, you know, I just, yeah, it was horrible. But we went and did laser tag. And I'm not going to say, I am going to say, I took first place in laser tag, so I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I feel super accomplished because of laser tag. Um, <laughs> as I should. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it comes into relationship. If all I, all I think about is like, man, my wife is so amazing. Man, she's so awesome. Man, she's powerful. But I never tell her. Is that a relationship? No. So why do we take that into our relationship with God? If I want to come into agreement with all that as he is, she's amazing and awesome, and, and, she's, and she's a great mom, but it takes me speaking with my mouth the words of affirmation. It's the same thing when we do it to ourselves. That's why the Bible teaches us that let the weak say, I am strong. Because you can think it all day, but until you speak it out of your mouth, no, wait, I am healed. No, wait, I am strong. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not what the enemy may say to me. I'm going to be what I proclaim to be the truth of God when he speaks to me that I am his child. He loves me. He adores me. And he wants to give me the victory. So he wants to bring peace into our life. Does that make sense for a moment? Sorry. Okay. So he, he wants to bring peace into our life in the middle of affliction, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of confusion. We find this snapshot where Jesus says, no, we're not going to stay here. We're going to take us into the land of peace. We're not going to stay where we've been at. We're not going to stay in this affliction. We're not going to stay in, in, in this turmoil. We are going to walk in the victory or the peace that he has for us. It's the peace that he wants to bring to us. It's the joy that he wants to bring. It's the love. It's the sound mind. It's the grace of him to know that when he enters the room, everything else has to shake and stir and move away. So Jesus tells him, we're going to go to the city of peace. But we're going to have to conquer the, the house of our mouth. So many times, and I'll be the first to say it. So many times, my mouth gets me in trouble. Like, I'll, I'm just going to put both hands up at this point. I have been there. 
including this last Thursday night in VSSM, I had to apologize for something. Um, and, but our mouth is so powerful because all that God wants to do cannot be released until we verbalize what the spiritual has already been doing in the unseen. You see, Psalm 70, 71 verse 8, it says, My mouth is filled with your praise and your glory all the day. If I'm going to fill my mouth with something, I want it to be the praises of my God. If I'm going to fill my mouth with something, I want it to be with how good he is, how great he is, how awesome he is, how powerful he is. Why? Because again, that's going back to what am I agreeing with? Now, now, am I still going to be in the middle? Of, hey, guess what? The disciples were still in the middle of the boat, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of the storm. But yet when Jesus stood up and said, peace be still, when we now can be able to say that over our lives, peace be still over our minds, over our hearts, because we're coming into agreement that my mouth is not going to, 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 to determine the circumstance around us, but my mouth is going to determine what God wants to do in me and through me. Because my mouth will be filled and never stop praising him. It's going to be filled with the declarations and the glory of God. Like that has been my prayer. I know every time I get up here, I'm talking about it because that's been my prayer. I want the glory of God to fill not only this house so strong that we can't minister, but I want him to feel so strong when we walk into our own houses that even our families and our kids and our, our dogs and cats are changed by the glory of God. Because when the glory fills the house, everything begins to change. Yes. But what have I allowed to fill me up instead of being filled with the glory of God? When I walk into the house, what have I allowed to, to come into my life that has filled me more than the glory of God? A question that we constantly ask ourselves. How, my phone will tell me. This is how much. I mean, it sends out a weekly report to me. I, I probably should turn it off because it's sometimes uh, upsetting. Um, but it sends out a weekly report that will tell me where, how much time I have spent. What apps did I, was I on? How much time did I spend on Facebook? Was I on YouTube forever? It goes, how much entertainment was I looking at? How much social, uh, social media? Um, and then, like, how many different apps? And I, and I, 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 I hate to admit it. But sometimes my Bible app is not the number one app that's been pulled up on my phone the most, okay? Um, and I'm more of an electronic person, so I can't even give that as an excuse of, oh, I've been opening my pair of Bible. No, like, I'm more of an electronic person. Bless you. And so, and so here's the thing, though. What if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, did that evaluation on our life? And it took evaluation of our words. Oh, I know, I'm being convicted right now just as much as, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching right here, okay? What if, what if the Holy Spirit took an evaluation on our words that how much am I agreeing with the promises of God versus how much I'm agreeing with the lies of the enemy? What, what, if, what if God wanted to bring so much peace, but I didn't open up my mouth to release it? Instead, I continued to look at the red that was going on in my bank account. What if I continued to see that my marriage is in turmoil? What if I continued to talk to, and, and, and to bring chaos when my kids are acting up? So it, 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 here's, here's, here's the thing. I'm not, I don't want it to be 
of this, con- of this uh, condemnation because it's not. It's a conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit to in us and through us because guess what? This week, God wants to raise us to a whole new level. Because that's the beautiful thing about God is he never wants to leave you in the exact same place he found you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't come into your life and, oh man, my life's amazing. Yeah, God's there. No, my life is amazing because God is now in my life. Okay, we ha- we- 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 I got to get going. So Jesus ends up sending two of his disciples to get a donkey. And he tells them that this is what I want you to do. Is I want you to go into the city. You're going to find it tied up. And if anyone asks you, are you, why are you taking them? You tell them that the Lord needs it. And he'll return it again soon. So they go out and they find the donkey and they start to untie it. And isn't that just something? You begin to follow after the word of God in your life. And the enemy, it says the bystanders are people walking around the city. All of a sudden, like, what in the world are you doing? Isn't that just something of the enemy to all of a sudden make you start questioning when you begin to follow the word of God in your life? We follow him so strong and all of a sudden the enemy comes up and is like, should you really? Uh, Should you really be doing that? Wasn't it so much easier when you were doing this? Wasn't it so much easier when you were following after this? Wasn't it so much easier when you were watching this? Wasn't it so much easier? Didn't life... No, like, here's the word of God saying, I want you to go, and I want you to, to untie it, and I want you to bring it back to me because I want to do something great in, in my life, in your lives. And he says, I, but he wants to partner with us. Amen. Jesus wants to partner with you in your life. Amen. He wants to walk alongside you. He wants to lead and guide you, but it's going to come down to, are we going to listen to the naysayers around us? Are we going to listen to the bystanders demanding, here's the question, to make you question the the belief or make you question the word of God in your life? But then Jesus says, I don't want you to listen to them. I want you to answer back. Again, coming back to the house of your mouth, he says, I want you to answer them back. This is what the Lord has told me to do. Because we're never going to go wrong when we speak out the word that has been implanted inside of us. You want to know how to conquer sin? Get the word inside of you. You want to know how to have victory over the addiction? Get the word inside of you. You want to know how to have victory in your marriage? Get the word inside of you. You want to know how to be a better parent? Get the word inside of you. Okay, and it's not about following, like, spare the rod, you know, whatever. Like, that, that's, not, that's not the verse. What I'm saying is, as we live in, a pre- in the presence of God, when we begin to live and breathe and, and eat his word, it's because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of what? The mouth of God. Okay, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is living and breathing inside of you today? So what does that mean? That means that the word of God that comes out of your mouth is able to give life to your mortal body. That means when I speak the word that I am am the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, I am declaring over my life. I'm not declaring with the lies of the enemy. I am agreeing with the truth of God. This is the whole point of Jesus walking through, of Jesus' triumphant entry on a donkey. Because he says, what I'm going to do in your life is going to be greater than anything you ever expected before. As we enter into this holy week, as we enter into this time of seeing God, are we listening to the voice of God and are we staying on his path? Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 33. 
It says, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. I have for years stayed on the first part of that verse. Where it says, stay on the path that the Lord, um, that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives. And I've literally like stopped there. But then it says, in the land you are about to enter and occupy. This week is going to be a week that we will enter and occupy all that the Lord has for us. This is a week that we will see our marriages be stronger than they've ever been before. This is a week that we will begin to occupy the land that the God has given to us. This will be a week that we occupy because it's not just something now that we've kind of been going about our business and trying to figure it out. No, this is a moment where God is saying, I don't want you to be from the back end. I want you to be leading the group of saying, this is what God has called us to enter and occupy. So my question, I guess I got to, oh, no, we're good. Well, there's like so much to unpack. <laughs> like, I was going through my notes and I was like, oh, we can go there. Oh, we can go over there. Oh, we can go over there. But I want to make sure that we, we, we kind of stay on point here into this uh, Palm Sunday of what he wants to do. But you see where Jesus picks a donkey and it threw me at first. Because why wouldn't he pick a big horse to come riding in? Because it's his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Yeah. I mean, I think of Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna think of like the Renaissance Jesus. Maybe he rides this big horse. Maybe he's like super buff and works out, you know? And, uh, and let's be real, right? And he like, he goes in, he, he enters into the city and everyone's like, ah, oh, amazing. But Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ride a donkey. Do you know that's fulfillment of the scriptures from the Old Testament? I know some of you do. I, I totally get that. But let me, let me just unpack this for a moment. That what he does is he fulfills the Old Testament prophecies as he comes in riding on a donkey. Because it was going to establish that who he really was as the Messiah. He didn't choose a horse, but he chose a donkey. And I was like, Lord, as I was preparing this message, I was putting it together, kind of having this conversation a little bit with the Holy Spirit, I guess, of like, why did you choose a donkey? They're gross. They're dirty. You know, their pastime, they literally just love to roll around in the dirt. Like, what are they, five? You know what I mean? Like, I've got a six-year-old son. Like, that's his pastime, you know, <laughs> rolling around in the dirt. Like, what, why, why did you choose that? not just a fulfillment of the scripture, but he wanted you to know how real and honest he is. He wanted you to know that he's not just this big God that we have to try to get to, but he's this God that says, I'm going to come meet you right where you're at. He says, I'm going to be this God that I'm literally going to come into your life in such a peaceful way. I started doing a little bit more research and found out that that actually was a triumphant entry for kings to come riding in on a donkey and they all a lot of times they didn't even have their armies around them the king would just ride on the donkey through the city to let people know i mean it was almost like a like a like a boss move you know what i mean it was a boss move as he's riding on this donkey 
Like, this is what we have done. We have conquered. He wants to be with his people. And as Jesus is riding on the donkey, it also is a symbol of peace. That he didn't want to just enter the city, but he wanted to bring peace into the city. Do you know that he just doesn't want to be a God around you, but he wants to be a God in you? He doesn't want to just be there for you to be able to pick up the phone and dial 911, you know, or, or, or whatever, and, and, and say, you know, Jesus, help me. Like, no, he wants to be a God that's an everyday lifestyle with you. This triumphant entry meant that it wasn't just going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It meant that it was going to be an everyday lifestyle. And this triumphant entry not only meant that he was bringing peace, uh, well, I already said that, sorry. But he already said but he, that peace that he wasn't going to just bring into the city, but peace that he wanted to bring into your world. You see, because even as Revelations 8.3, it says that at the end of the verse, it says that even before um, the world was created, the, 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 the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was even made, before you and I even ever existed, Christ already said, I've got an exit plan for them. Before anything began to happen, before sin even began to uh, try to get at you, what Christ said is that I'm going to be the lamb that's going to be slain before even the found, other translations say, before the foundations of the world. Before anything was laid, I'm going to make sure I've got a plan of escape for you. Because the enemy's first thing is wanting to be like, oh, you've messed up. There's no, there's no hope for you. No, there is hope. His name is Jesus. No, 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 like he wants to try to isolate you to say like, oh no, I've messed up. I need to pull back. No, what he's saying is I don't want you to pull back. I want you to run to me because before any of that, I was already there. Before any of the sin, Jesus was already there ready to forgive, heal, and take care of you. But again, it comes back to, are we releasing it with our mouth? So why the coats? I was thinking about this, like, why didn't they just put blankets? Why didn't they put, why didn't they put, uh, you know, a saddle on it? Why did, I mean, all these different things started kind of going through my mind. And, and it says that the disciples put their coats on the back of the donkey for Jesus to ride on. And even people began to lay their coats out on the ground for when, G, when the donkey was walking through. Do you see, I started to do a little bit of research into coats and a biblical translation or a biblical even um, meaning, spiritual meaning of the coats that could be, could be said could be that coats can be translated into identity, authority, or even security or a security blanket because it is saying that once we take off our coat, we are now exposing ourselves to those around us. That we're exposing to attacks and that it also could mean prestige. Again, the authority or the identity that I have now put on myself. And what the disciples are doing here is they are literally taking off everything that was made for them, everything that they thought they were supposed to be, and they're putting it in the back of the donkey so that Jesus can be ultimate reign and rule in their lives. Amen. You and I have a determination of where do we hang our coat at? Because people now, we, they, they, it wasn't just that, uh, uh, excuse me, the disciples were putting their coats on the donkeys, but other people were actually laying them out so the donkey could, didn't have to walk through the mud or through the different things of that street of that time. What, what, what was happening was they were saying, hey, I don't want it to take on my own self. I want it to be on where Jesus is the one who carries the burden for me. Wow. 
I don't want it to just be an experience where he walks on my coat and walks off and I have this cool now, now hoof print to be able to say I'm, I was with Jesus. No, what I want it to be is a lifestyle that I'm, everything I have given over to him. Not a jacket of a one-day experience, but an everyday lifestyle that we live and breathe, that we are conquerors in Christ because of what he has done for us. I don't want just my coat to be stepped on, but I want my coat to be sat on. I want my coat, my, my, my authority, my identity that wraps up in him. I want it to be everything about him. You see Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Everyone say, I'm no longer slaves to sin. Come on, everyone say, I'm no longer a slave to sin. Yeah, that's powerful. Turn to somebody and say, you're no longer a slave to sin. Oh boy, you're no longer a slave to sin. Some of you are starting to catch it. You can feel the, the faith start to rise in the room. We're no longer a slave to sin, man. We could camp out there all night. We are no longer a slave to sin. For we are, we, um, for, blah, 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 for we died with Christ as we were set free from the power of sin. I'm telling you, like I'm getting pumped. Um, and since we die with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Man. What an amazing concept, right? That we have been buried with him in baptism. We rise again with the Holy Spirit living within us. And again, it gives life to our mortal bodies. We don't have to worry about the conquerors of sin. We get to know that a sin, I've already been, you've already been defeated. Why? Because I serve a risen Savior. So our addictions, our, 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 our mistakes, our failures no longer hold us in bondage. Because once we give it over to him, I sit in heavenly places with him. This is the triumphant entry of Jesus. It wasn't just about riding a donkey and just trying to go through. It was literally setting the stage so that because in that day, he was coming into the feast of Passover. Uh, theologians believe that that day was the exact day that a lamb was to be chosen to be slaughtered and a sacrifice for that, for that, uh, that family. So Jesus not only did it for that day, I, I know like literally that little smirk, you know what I mean? When it's like, come on, you know, Jesus has this smirk on his face and he's saying, I'm not only entering the city on some given random day, I'm entering the city because today a lamb is to be chosen to be slain for the foundations of the world. I'm literally, he's literally choosing the day because he wanted to be able to be slain because he wants to be your lamb, your ultimate sacrifice that you don't have to strive for it, but you get to give up everything over to him and literally take off everything and put it on the donkey because I don't want you just to walk on it. I want you to actually be king and ruler of my life. That makes sense? Man. Oof. Yeah. Yes, like, dude, I'm telling you, like, as I was, I, we're, I was, as I was preparing for, I'm telling you, like, all these thoughts are going through my head really fast. <laughs> but I just, I, man, to know that we are buried with him, but not just buried with him, but we rise to life with him. We read it in Deuteronomy already where it says, all I've got to do is follow after his word and I'll live a prosperous life in the land that we're going to enter and occupy. 
this next season, I guess a prophetic word, I don't know, I'm feeling really strong. Like this next season that you're about to walk into, be ready because this is what he wants you to do is to enter the land and to occupy it. Maybe there's a promotion that's gonna come about this week that you're gonna get at your job. Be ready to enter and to occupy. Maybe it's about walking into your house today, this afternoon and saying, no, this is the house of God, my house. My house is going to be the house of God. Maybe there's some things we got to kick out. I'm getting ahead of my notes. Maybe there's some things that we're going to kick out because we're going to enter and occupy the land that God's got for us. Could it even be that we have to walk in the authority that God has given to us? That we're going to enter and, and to occupy the land. Because I can't enter and occupy the land unless I first come into agreement with that he's already given it to me. We have to come into agreement. You see, they not only threw their coats down, but they also threw palm leaves down. What does palm leaves, what do palm leaves represent? Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. <laughs> the palm leaves represent victory, triumph, peace, and eternal life. Can I tell you, they even, the, the Bible says that they took them from the field that they used to work in. What they were saying was the thing that gave me provision that I, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm laying at the feet of Jesus. Right. It's a representation that the testimony that God has done it before and he's going to do it again. Amen. It's a representation that what he has done for me yesterday, I know that he's going to give me even more today. Because maybe he healed me of just a cold, but I know he's also going to heal me of my body. Maybe he's just be able to give, it's an extra $5 here, but I know that when I lay at the feet of Jesus, kingdom multiplication means that it's going to turn into a whole lot more. Like whatever we lay at his feet, it multiplies. And he's saying, here they began to lay palm leaves and, and branches down because they were saying the victory that he is going to bring is going to be so much greater than what I've already seen before. Today's the day that we're going to see greater victory than what we've seen before. Remember, we are going to occupy. We're going to lay our coats down. We're going to see it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, but thank God he gave us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Like we thank God that he has given us the victory. It's not of something that we've done of a self-help. It means that I've given up everything over to him, and he's the one that helps me. I can't do it of myself. I wish I could, but I can't. Okay, I say I wish I could. Like, well, no. I I mean, I do, but it just ends up happening. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a man. There's an ego attached to this. And so (laughs) I'm trying to, you know, take care of it all. But there's been so many times where I'm getting super frustrated at the house about something, And you know what my lovely wife will do? Yep, she'll check me. Uh, Not like a hockey check. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like at times. She kind of puts her shoulder down and just poof, um, puts me into the glass. But but she'll check me and be like, have you prayed about this? I'm Pastor Tim. What do you mean, have I prayed about this? (laughs) I guess not. I guess I need to pray about this because my coat was getting hung in the wrong place. I was putting my authority in the wrong person. I'm telling you, I'm, please, I'm, I'm preaching right here more, more than anything else. So don't think of it like, man, Pastor Tim's got it all put together. No, no, I don't. Like, I, I'm walking this out, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm walking in this authority that God's given. And, and, and I know what he wants to do is he wants to set us free today. I know what he wants to do is he wants to bring peace into your life. Why? Because there's chaos all around us. 
There's chaos all around us. Let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves. There's chaos all around us. But you know what? I'm so thankful that I know the Prince of Peace. I'm so thankful that I know who came in on that Sunday morning, who rode in on the donkey and said he didn't just want to bring peace around me, but he wanted to bring peace inside of me. Okay. So it says that people were shouting and praising God, blessing. They were, they were, excuse me. They were shouting, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming king of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. They were literally starting to shout this out. Other translations will say like, Hosanna to the one who saves us. They thought that he was coming in to overthrow the Roman Empire. They thought he was coming to take over all that had been, all, the, all the, the, the outside government. They were starting to believe that, man, here he comes. And yet the whole entire time, Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to come so that we can bring, uh, he's not just coming to overthrow a kingdom. He's coming to overthrow the kingdom of darkness. Because it would have been easy for him to come in on a horse and overthrow the kingdom naturally. But what Jesus really wanted to do was to overthrow the kingdom that's right inside of here. What he really wants to do is not just, and I know, please, I'm not trying to make this political. I'm just saying. What he doesn't want to do is because it doesn't matter who's standing in front of us. What matters is who's living inside of us. Because that's where my peace is going to come from. My peace is not going to come from some type of newspaper or some type of article or some type of person that's telling me this is how you should be living. No, my, my, my real peace is going to come from the one that wrote this book. The real peace or the real truth that we're going to start to believe this coming week, and maybe, maybe you've been doing it, but maybe we just need this refresher course, okay? That we need to start believing this before we believe everything else that we're reading about on social media. When my kid comes to me and starts telling me, well, this is how I'm feeling, I always tell, we start to talk about, have you checked it against the word of God? Have you really started to, have you prayed about this? Right now, I'm using my wife's terms. Um, <laughs> see, she's a good teacher. She's teaching. And so, have we prayed about it? Have we talked to God about it before we just automatically started to just go into this chaos moment? Or have we really sought the face of God of what he wants to do in our lives? You see, at our original text, Jesus comes to the temple and ends up leaving because it was, it, he, went, he went and he checked out all the things in the temple, and it actually says that he looked over everything carefully, and it seemed to be in order. But then we find a few verses later. This is my last point, and so um, we find a few verses later in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. It says, when they arrived back, at, back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the table and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He uh, stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations. Pastor Matthew said it earlier during mid-service. It's for all nations. But we have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and the teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. They were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching they, that, he, excuse me, that evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. Jesus comes back to the temple and starts flipping over tables. Here's the thing. Because Jesus had just done this triumphant entry, I wonder, and the question to, to me is, how many people had laid their coats down 
and were saying he's the true Messiah, but are now in the temple trying to do it by works to try to get pleasing before God. They come into the temple and Jesus says he had to flip tables, man. Like, let's be, let's be honest. He had to flip the table. It wasn't that they were just selling things, but because their heart posture was in the wrong place. They were trying to, and, and like in the striving mode, that if I can buy my way in, and Jesus says, I'm right here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Can I tell you in this, as I was going through this, I thought about how much have we in the, in, 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 in the temple of us, because we're the, now the temple of the Holy Spirit, what have I allowed the enemy to set up camp in? What tables has he allowed, have I allowed him to set up in my heart? That do I have to have a Holy Spirit check where he comes in and just starts flipping over tables? That's a lie. Why are you believing that lie? I don't know. I thought it was good for a moment. Why are you believing that you always have to be this way? Why are you believing? And, and isn't it like the Holy Spirit wants to come in to be able to, to, to let us know that he cares for us so much. Can I read these verses? Deuteronomy chapter four, verses 23 through 24. It says, so be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form for the Lord your God has forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. Okay, here's the verse though. Here, here's, again, this is, this is why we keep reading and we don't try to just camp out in one verse. It says, in the future, when you have children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and will arouse his anger. Can I tell you something? What are we holding on to that we believe we have to, we have, to have inside of us because God, I don't know if I'm willing to let it go yet. You can, I'll lay my coat down, but don't flip my table. Right? I'll say Hosanna to the highest, but leave this table alone. You can have that table, but not, not this one. We, we had a garage sale uh, this past weekend. And nothing tells you you have more stuff that you need to get rid of than trying to prepare for a garage sale. Okay? We're going through, going through the garage and putting things up. And my wife is like, this is going. That's going. Get, let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of that. And I was the one that was like, do, do we have to get rid of that? Like, you know? <laughs> can, can, and I was like, oh, you know what? I've totally been thinking, I need that too. Like, I'm going through my own garage sale, like picking things out. Said, I, I don't know if I want, I don't know if I want to get rid of that. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I, I, if I can, like, you know? Thank God there's still one box that I kind of hid so that she didn't, she didn't have to. She didn't have to take it away. <laughs> she knows which box it is. It has my name on it. It's okay. Okay. But the story still rings true. What am I grasping onto on this Palm Sunday? That really when he wants to come in and flip a table and say, no, Tim, what I've got for you is so much greater than what I'm trying to hold on to. Because again, it goes from our authority, our coat, our identity. Now I've got to lay it on top of you. Yeah. Because I want to give, like what Jesus is saying, he wants to give you his authority. He wants to give you his identity. But what about the things that I'm holding on to, Pastor Tim? You don't understand. Dude, you're talking to somebody who used to deal with the exact same thing. Because I thought it would give me satisfaction. I thought it would give me justification. I come to church. I check off the box. 
I worship, I shout. Pastor Matthew says to shout. I started shouting. I felt the tingly, fuzzy feelings. It was good, but I still went home. And as I was leaving the altar, I picked it back up and said, you can have everything else, Jesus, but this one, I'm going to keep this one. You can, you can keep that. I mean, you know, but I'll, I'll take this. Right? And, and please, I'm, I'm telling you the exact same thing. I, I know because I've been there. But it wasn't until I finally said, that's not, it's going to satisfy me for a moment. Moses said, I would rather suffer the afflictions with the people rather than to have justification or satisfaction, satisfaction with, with sin for a moment. Because guess what? The enemy's greatest lie is to get you to believe that this is going to satisfy you forever. And it's not going to satisfy me forever. Because it's ultimately my sinful nature is going to make it where I want more. I want more. I need something different. And yet the real thing we're supposed to hunger and thirst for is the righteousness of God. And when we hunger and thirst for him, it's always going to be satisfying. It's always going to fill us up to these moments of encountering a God that loves us, that cares for us, and that says, I don't want you to just have the peace around you, but I want to be the God of peace inside of you. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know that I'm sure we've all walked in with our own chaos, our own trouble, our own circumstances, our own situations. But I can tell you this on this Palm Sunday, that he wants to be the God of peace to you. He wants to be the God of peace to your marriage. He wants to be the God of peace to your finances. He wants to be the God of peace to you. I think this is finally my last verse. Yeah, it is. My last one. And then I promise. Now I'm done. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way. All of us used to live this way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, but God. But God came riding in on a donkey to be the lamb slain for you and I. So that you didn't have to go out and try to choose and try to figure out and try to strive, but you just got to open up your mouth and say, Jesus, I give you everything today. I don't want it just to be where I lay down my coat and you kind of walk on it and I felt the good tingly feelings, but I want it to be where I actually lay it at your feet and I leave it there. Where I give you everything to it. It says, but God who is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is not only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus so God can point us in all future age can point uh, can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus God saved us by his grace when we, we when you believe and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from God Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
for we are God's masterpiece. Everyone say, I'm God's masterpiece. Come on, say it again. Say, I'm God's masterpiece. Turn to somebody next to you. Say, you're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Would you stand with me to your feet? Our ministry team can come up and... But we're going to open up this altar for whoever. For those of you in the balcony, I'd love it if you made your way down. For those of you in your seats, I want you to make your way... You can make your way here in a second. But I want you to know that this is a day of salvation for each and every one of us. That we get to choose, where do I put my coat at? Am I just putting it at his feet so he can walk on it again so I can... I can say I've been with Jesus or am I really laying it all on him so that he can be the or he can take the burden from me that I don't have to pick it up again and that Jesus whatever table you want to flip flip it whatever you need to get out I mean that was my prayer this morning like Jesus whatever is inside of me even the hidden things that I've hidden I don't want it to be there anymore God I want it to be exposed and be out because I want to partake of everything that you've got for me so we're going to pray and then we're going to open up this altar if it's if it's if if this is your first time or even however many time and you're invited and you've never given your life to god i want you to know it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make and there's a whole room of people right that believe that exact same thing it's the greatest decision we've ever made You know, it's not that we're perfect, but I'm his masterpiece. It means that I'm constantly walking in this light where he's putting me back together. And he's saying, no, 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 you're my kid. Let's, let's, let's piece this back together. And maybe there's some things inside of us that he's got to take out this morning. So that as we walk into this week, we walk into a holy week, as we walk into Easter week, we walk into the week saying that enemy, you no longer have a stronghold here that I'm going to enter and occupy the land that the Lord has given to me. So would you close your eyes? You can put your hands out. I guess, if, if let's just pray together and I'll, I'll say something and then you can just repeat after me because if, if you've never given your life to Christ, this is an amazing opportunity for you to do so. But it's a good opportunity for all of us to also just take an extra check. So I want you to say, if, if, if you just repeat after me, if you just say, Jesus... Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for not just staying there, but for rising again for me. That I can walk in the life and the love and the peace that you have for me. So forgive us of all the lies that we've come into agreement with of all the tables that I've allowed the enemy to set up in my life. Help me to flip those tables, to give you everything today that I can walk as a true child of God. As a true child of God. That I come into agreement right now with the truth 
that I am loved, I am cherished, I am a masterpiece, I have been forgiven, I have been forgiven, I'm going to walk in new life from this moment on. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Okay, don't move yet. Don't move yet. I just feel like this is something that just wants to be released. So just keep your eyes closed, your hands out, ready to receive. Don't, don't move yet. Hold on. Because I believe there's, a, there's a, a new that's coming today. A new peace, a new joy, a new love that's coming into your heart that we've already asked for everything to be taken out. But now we just say, Holy Spirit, fill us up. Yeah. Holy Spirit, fill us up to overflow that when we walk out of this place, we're not going to be the same. We're not going to walk the same. We're not going to talk the same. We're not, we're, we're, we know that this temple that we are, are called to take care of is going to be a house of prayer. That this temple that we've called, called to take care of is going to be a house of joy. This temple that we walk in every single day is going to be a, 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 a life of authority that we walk in, the power of Jesus that has, was risen from the grave. So God, we just say, fill us up to overflow that we can walk as children of God today. Not to walk in the same, but to be different from this moment on because we give you everything. Help me to parent different. Help me to be a different husband, God. Help me to be a different father. Help me to be a different coworker. Help me to be a different just saint of God that when we walk into even Walmart, people are gonna notice a difference. We just thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this place. And we just say right now that every person that needs to just release spiritually that coat, that God, we give you everything, that we just do it right now. This altar is open. I'd love it if you right now would make the declaration that, hey, I want to give over everything. Would you just step out of your seat and come on down? Come on, let's declare it. Let's, if if this, this sermon was like, hey, I, I need more of him. I'm releasing all that he's got for me. Don't be embarrassed, I promise you. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Come on, make your way out of the aisle. Make your way out of your seat. If you're like, man, this is, I need to give everything to him. We want you to get out of the aisle. There's a ministry team here. The altar's just going to stay open as we're going to continue to play and sing. We'd love to get to minister and pray with you. But if you're like, Pastor Tim, I just need a little bit of extra prayer. Please just come up here to the front. We're just, we we want to pray with you.